the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, March 7th, 2020. I'm Seth Liebson, and our phone number is 602-508-0960. That's 602-5080-960. A piece in the Wall Street Journal today put me in mind of something my old boss, Bill Bennett, used to say which is that too much of academia can be summed up as the elaborate demonstration of the obvious by use of methods obscure. That was then, when modicums of common sense still dominated our culture and society. As I like to put it, however, common sense has long ago left the mainstream of our culture and society, or it is no longer part of the mainstream of our culture and society. And, of course, if there is going to be a totem to or vector to that, it will, of course, come from academia, higher education. Just so, I think we need to update the Bennett saying to say much of academia and popular culture instruction, our new mores, can be summed up as the elaborate demonstration of the non-obvious by use of language and methodology, obscure. Consider for a moment the phrase implicit bias. It's the bias we all have, cannot get rid of it, cannot be extirpated from ourselves or society, and most importantly, of course, definitionally, cannot be seen or evidenced. It's intangible, kind of like the invisible swordsman in the Three Amigos. We say the magic chant, each fire one shot in the air, and that will summon him. The magic chant. Or perhaps the better phrase for our times would be the magical cant. Think dog whistle. You know the word can't, C-A-N-T, no apostrophe. It means pretentious or insincere talk. And its etymology is indeed from the idea of singing or chant, chanting. I was put in mind of all this with the kinds of nonsensical and twisting and mind-bending studies and papers and lectures we get to justify so much of what we might call our woke sensibilities or progressive policies, from the idea of implicit bias to the idea of systemic racism to the idea of transgenerational trauma to the idea of harm reduction to the idea of gender affirmation to the need for trigger warnings to the idea that words are or constitute violence to the idea of diversity, inclusion, and equity training or white culture. None of these things come to us with considerations or observations that are obvious, hence implicit, hence systemic, hence dog whistle. In other words, not there. In other words, not uttered or said. But it has to be there, doesn't it? It has to be there. So we demonstrate it somehow, and that somehow is with methods obscure. Bear with me a moment. Let me show you how easy it is, how easy it is to allow obscuritanism to dominate what is considered advanced or enlightened thought. A couple of years ago, the Atlantic Monthly wrote of this 
Three scholars, James Lindsay, Helen Pluckrose, and Peter Bogosian, wrote 20 fake papers, 20 fake academic papers using fashionable jargon to argue for ridiculous conclusions and tried to get them placed in high-profile journals and fields, including gender studies, queer studies, and what was then called fat studies. Their success rate was remarkable. By the time they took their experiment public, seven of their articles had been accepted for publication by ostensibly serious peer-reviewed journals. Seven more were still going through various stages of the review process. Only six had been rejected. There's a long line of this going back to the 1990s with an academic uh, professor named Alex Sokol of New York University who got a serious journal to publish literal social science poppycock. It was known as the Sokol hoax. And the point was that postmodern discourse is so meaningless that not even experts can distinguish between people who make sincere claims and those who compose deliberate gibberish. Of course, this is what happens when we take leave of our senses, also known as common sense. Obscuritanism is one of the most formal names for it, or one of the more formal names for it, which is why we say methods obscure, for example. To get there, as Leo Strauss once put it, we need to silence the easily silenceable or easily intimidated voices of reason, which leads to his great phrase, fanatical obscuritanism. So we get things like gender affirmation and implicit bias with proof that is lofty and loud and fanatical, but at bottom, piffle. In the corporate world, we get woke corporate culture. Today, that Wall Street Journal article, editorial, tells us how we get there. Quote, the diversity, equity, and inclusion jargon in corporate America alone makes such woke corporate initiatives difficult for outsiders, including top managers, to understand and thus to challenge. According to one study, the result is what middle management bureaucrats is that middle management bureaucrat bureaucrats play an outsized role in spreading this left wing ideology to corporate culture. Corporate leaders often fear their younger, more sensitive and progressive subordinates, as well as the advocacy groups that rate companies on woke metrics. Executives know that if they don't approve left-wing initiatives, they could face public backlash. We've seen woke employees protest corporate policies at Amazon, Hachette, Disney, Netflix, and a host of other companies. As the researchers point out, in some cases, executives approve woke initiatives to shift the focus away from hard performance measures like profitability and towards softer, more easily manipulated ones like contributions to diversity or social justice. Notice the important phrase there. The important phrase in the above is difficult to understand. Initiatives difficult for outsiders to understand. That's how they do it, folks. Two major efforts at understanding this have recently come to us. And in one case, at the New York Times, there was an uprising among the staff that the story saw the light of day, got printed, was news fit to print, as they say, almost as if Tom Cotton had written an op-ed suggesting the use of military force to quell violent riots. This was the story that DIE training, diversity uh, training, A, may not work, and B, may have an opposite effect from its intentions, that is, expanding rather than reducing bias. Jesse Singal wrote, quote, There's little evidence that many of these initiatives work, DIE initiatives work. 
And the specific type of diversity training that is currently in vogue, mandatory training that blames dominant groups for DEI problems, may well have a net negative effect on the outcomes managers claim to care about. Over the years, social scientists who have conducted careful reviews of the evidence base for diversity training have frequently come to discouraging conclusions. If if diversity training has no impact whatsoever, that would mean that perhaps billions of dollars are being wasted annually in the United States on these efforts. But there's a darker possibility. Some diversity initiatives might actually worsen the DEI climates of the organizations that pay for them. That's particularly because any psychological intervention may turn out to do more harm than good. In the case of DEI, two researchers warned that diversity training that is mandatory or that threatens dominant groups' sense of belonging or makes them feel blamed may elicit negative backlash or exacerbate biases. Just a bit, just a bit more. Many popular contemporary DEI approaches meet these criteria. They often seem geared more towards sparking a revolutionary re-understanding of race relations than solving organizations' specific problems, and they often blame white people or their culture for harming people of color. For example, the activist Tima Okun's work cites concepts like objectivity and worship of the written word as characteristics of white supremacy culture. Robin DeAngelo's white fragility training sessions are designed to make white participants uncomfortable, and microaggression training workshops are based on an area of academic literature that claims without quality evidence that common utterances like, quote, America is a melting pot, harm the mental health of people of color. Many of these training sessions run counter to the views of most Americans of any color on race inequality, and they're generating exactly the sort of backlash that research predicts. Close quote, new York Times. Now, the second one, trigger warnings. You know what trigger warnings are. You've seen them all the time. Warning. (laughs) I get a kick out of some of them. Warning, the film you're about to watch depicts cigarette smoking. But now they have them around all other kinds of psychological things. By the way, you – yeah, okay. Come back to that. Bill Maher spoke of this on his show last Friday. Here's but one study that has come out recently. Quote, the term trigger warning may itself trigger the negative reaction it's intended to prevent. New psychological research suggests that not only do trigger warnings not work, but they could also have the opposite effect in some cases. Harvard Law School professor Jeannie Suk Gerson writes in The New Yorker, Professor Gerson notes that trigger warning was included alongside killing it and take a stab at it and a list of phrases that could trigger victims of violence and should be removed from everyday use. As Professor Gerson highlights from one study at Harvard, people who received trigger warnings felt greater anxiety reading the same passages as people who did not receive trigger warnings. Another study found trigger warnings may prolong the distress of negative memories. It's all part of broader worries about teachers coddling students cultivating their fragility or shielding them from discussions that might expand their minds, Professor Gerson writes. What we have here, folks, is a closing of the American mind, to be sure, as one of Leo Strauss's students, Alan Bloom, once put it. But we also have a coddling of the American mind, as Professor Jonathan Haidt once put it. We have a closing of the American mind and a coddling of the American mind. And it leads us into ever more obscure abandonments of common sense and reasonableness, all in the name of destroying that which we actually know to be true in favor of that which experts tell us we should dispense with 
in the name of some progressive neo-Marxist world order where race once again matters and where, interestingly enough and ironically enough, sex or gender does not. It leads to a world where speech can be violent and where skin color defines cultural attributes that either need to be suppressed or encouraged, depending on the skin color. It leads to the idea that classic literature needs to be rewritten to suit certain modern sensibilities and give that literature trigger warnings. It leads to the idea that a growing and developing but unborn child on whom antenatal or prenatal surgery can be recommended and performed is not a human. It leads to the idea that opening schools is racism. It leads to the idea that small amounts of dangerous drug use can prevent greater drug use. It leads to the idea that a party or movement that refuses to accept all this drivel brought to you by the invisible swordsman is dangerous, if not fascist. In a follow-up to what I was saying yesterday about the piecemeal vindications of conservative objections to these postmodern inventions— Don't give in to the can't. I think a new or renewed enlightenment is coming, and if we can stay resolute, focused, and sane, we might just be able to get the vast majority of the country to see it and vote with us on it as well. When we come back, I will tell you about another very sad, unfortunate, but true vindication of things we've been saying as well. Well, very sad to report two Americans who survived uh, the Mexico uh, kidnapping are back in the U.S., transported to a Texas hospital. It's good that they're back in the United States. It's awful what happened to them, and it's awful that two in that group were killed. According to Fox News, one of the four kidnapping victims was identified as Indel Brown of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by his oldest sister, Zelandria Brown. Brown told the AP her brother and two other friends were accompanying a fourth friend to Mexico for tummy tuck surgery. The other three members were reportedly identified by family members as Latavia or Tay McGee, Shadid Woodward, Eric James Williams, also of South Carolina. Let's remember those names, too, and let's say those names as well. When I went out of the of the last segment, when I went to break, I said another issue is now turning towards perhaps a unfortunate, lacrimal, sad vindication of things conservatives have been talking about for a while now that the left and the progressives in the Democratic Party have been trying to brush under a rug for the same reason. Um, I guess because... Republicans and conservatives have been talking about it automatically. That means if you're left progressive or Democrat, do the opposite. That goes to everything having to do with our border. That has everything to do with the drug crisis. It has everything. It has everything to do with everything. It has everything to do with everything. Um, Any time we have been ahead of the curve or warning or in some cases pulling our hair out and screaming about these crises that are leading to violence and death, it just says, oh, no, everything's secure or administration's doing everything possible or it's because of the Republicans that you can't get it done. Bill Barr, uh, former Attorney General William Barr, uh, had an appropriately timely piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, just about three days ago. Uh, The U.S. must defeat Mexico drug cartels. And 
you know, it, 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 he's been absolutely right that the talk about this has been somewhat wanting. Just naming the drug cartels terrorist organizations isn't going to do much unless we're willing to engage with the country and in the country in the way that we put the Colombia cartels out of business in the 80s and 90s. As Bill Barr wrote, Mexico can't do the job itself. Its criminal justice system is dysfunctional. 95% of all violent crimes go unpunished. Pervasive corruption at every level of Mexico's government makes it almost impossible to mount effective law enforcement or military operations without the cartels being tipped off in advance. The big cartels have become paramilitary forces. In October 2019, when Mexican troops went into Sinaloa and arrested El Chapo's son, they were surrounded by 700 cartel paramilitary fighters with armored cars, rocket launchers, heavy machine guns, and the military was forced to release its prisoner. What will it take, Barr asks, to defeat the Mexican cartels? First, a far more aggressive American effort inside Mexico than ever before, including a significant U.S. law enforcement and intelligence presence, as well as a select military capabilities. Optimally, the Mexican government will support and participate in this effort, and it is likely to do so once they understand that the U.S. is committed to do whatever is necessary to cripple the cartels, whether or not the Mexican government participates. Let me pause on that. Do you think right now this administration is doing anything, much less everything it can, to convince Mexico of our seriousness about this? Or is it the opposite? Or is it the opposite? Second, the danger cartels pose to the U.S. requires that we confront them primarily at national secu- as national security threats, not a law enforcement matter. These narco-terrorist groups are more like ISIS than like the American mafia. Case-by-case prosecution of individuals can be a part of the overall effort, but the only way to defeat them is to use every tool at our disposal inside Mexico. Merely designating, yeah, he, he agrees with me, merely designating the cartels as terrorist groups will do nothing by itself. The real question is whether we are willing to go after them as we would a terrorist group. The cartels have Mexico in a python-like stranglehold. American leadership is needed to help Mexico break free. We can't accept a failed state, a failed narco state on our border, providing sanctuary to narco-terrorist groups, preying on the American people, and as I just sadly reported, kidnapping four and killing two. Right on our border. Right on our border. Now, why do I say this is a sad consummation um, of a vindication of the things we've been saying, because I just don't think people are going to put up with this anymore. I mean, we have been saying it, and I guess if it happens in just Texas or Arizona, you know, it was easy for them to say that's a Texas-Arizona thing. Was why it was so smart of those governors to fly them to places where the media live and where the liberal elite live, like Cape Cod and New York City and Washington, D.C., But the things that the narco-terrorists are bringing here when they're not kidnapping Americans from South Carolina is killing Americans all across this country. And this is a point of no return, I think, for public policy across both sides of the aisle. Pretty soon, the Democrats and Joe Biden and the progressives are going to have to say, we got this wrong And you know what? I don't even care if they say it. Just do something about it at long last. Do something about it. The old Joe Biden, the Joe Biden of the 90s, 
He probably would have. But there you go with your grandfather's Democratic Party. It's our duty to wake them up and restore them the way Plato recommended in his in his play, The Mino. Unlock the teaching of the things they used to know. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. In his State of the Union speech last month, President Biden doubled down on his spending plans, adding even more to the federal deficit. That doesn't bode well for the value of your money. Biden's disconnected view of the economy means there will be no more meaningful steps taken to lessen inflation and lower interest rates. Your cash reserves and investments will be worth less. Which is why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold with the only precious metals dealer, Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of you already know, the Midas Gold Group. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the destruction of inflation and the ruin of a recession. Don't let Biden's misguided economy wipe you out. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. Check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com, or better yet... Give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. And our phone number, anything on your mind, is 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. I didn't open with what most shows I heard today opened with, which was the uh, Tucker Carlson, what would you call it, expose? Uh, the Tucker Carlson uh, uh, rendition of unseen video, uh, video that has been kept from the public from uh, the January 6 riots. Um, I, I didn't open with it, one, because I thought, you know, a lot of it had been covered. And, and, and also, I have to tell you, having watched it, I, um, I, I'm curious— to know what you think. I was discussing this with a few friends. Uh, most of the revelations that I saw last night, I, I, I presumed were, were the kinds of revelations I would see, were the kinds of things the Democrats were holding back. Uh, the hypocrisy of the mainstream media wringing their hands and crying about the fact that this was released to Fox News seems to be just that, a lot of hypocrisy. Uh, there was no comment and no concern and no wringing of hands and clutching of pearls when the January 6th committee itself hired an ABC news producer named James Goldstone to produce their narrative and their video. Did you know a Good Morning America producer was hired by the January 6th committee to do that? Was was I mean, we talked about it at the time. I spent a lot of time on all this um, in the past, but— we talked about it at the time, but was there was there any such concern then? And why the concern about if you're going to have primetime hearings and you're going to have a select uh, committee put together by the House of Representatives, why the concern about full video with obvious the necessary security redactions, uh, you know, implemented here to, to protect security concerns? Why the concern that the American people are going to see? more than what the committee itself, as produced by a Good Morning America producer, would want us to see. None of that is really the big question on the table. All of that is, 
I suppose, just partisan, uh, partisan, partisan chirping. The question I have is, how much of a difference do you think any of this will make? How much of a difference will it make? Let me put it this way. I don't want to overstate it. Blue in the face would be overstating it, but figuratively blue in the face, Joe Biden would say literally because <laughs> he misuses it all the time, literally blue in the face. But figuratively, whenever January 6th has come up and I'm talking to people who don't you know, do their own research or maybe don't listen to shows like ours and the kinds of shows you all listen to or the kind of websites you all read or the news stories you all read, whenever they would talk about the death of police officers from January 6th, particularly – uh, the death of uh, uh, Brian Setnick, you know, figuratively blue in the face have I gone and have we all in showing them that that just isn't true. It was no more true than the fact that Nick Sandman was going after a Native American activist and trying to shame him. It was the first report that took on a life of its own, and that was doubled down on again and again and again and nurtured to a fairly well by the House Democrats themselves and how they handled this tragic death from natural causes, not on January 6th. So a lot was made of that by Tucker Carlson last night with certain video. My question is, will, it, will, will, will yet it matter? Will, will yet it matter or will this be kind of deep sixed to the broader narrative that the rest of the media and the Democratic Party wants to portray? I'm just curious what you think on that. Will it matter? I mean, you know, good that they're doing it. Obviously, everything you do is a good thing if it's good done for the right reasons. Um, but will it matter to the larger narrative? I just don't know. It's an interesting question. I think it is anyway. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960, Jason's in Phoenix. Hi, Jason. How are you? Thanks, Jeff. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because, uh, uh, yeah, just to answer your question, yes, if this is going to make a difference, that film footage being released and showing uh, everybody uh, what exactly happened when we weren't allowed to see before, and I'd say that's a, that's a big yes. For the main purpose that it's very reaffirming of what I know my circle of friends, we already know you to be true, what our suspicions were, and anybody else, you can just add this to the list of everything else that has been covered up by the uh, mainstream media. So, yes, this is uh, absolutely, it does make a difference. But but does it make a difference on that very level when you say, I'm, I'm just wondering, I'm not arguing, I'm just wondering, With er, you, you make the point everything else along with everything else. Has that seeped through outside our listenership and your friends? Well, no, I, I think that, that... That's my question. Is it is it going to make a difference or is it just going to reinforce what, what you already know? I think we could take a percentage yeah. of some people that were on the fence yeah. or probably now. That, that every time something like the laptop happens, yeah. there's new information about COVID. Yeah. 
we're getting a little bit more ground. We're that's more, fair. That's depth. really we're fair. Getting more depth and we're losing more of us. That is, is kind I'm of saying. my point, isn't it? Earlier from a few other segments on a few from a few segments back on a few other topics, whether it's about the border or whether it's about uh, the COVID mitigation strategies, that stuff, the the, the Hunter Biden lap, laptop, I think, is a good example, Jason, that you raised. Yeah, that stuff has – it is – these narratives are slowly coming out. Um, the pins in their balloons are suddenly becoming a little sharper, and the balloons are becoming a little a little, a little, uh, a little less clouding of the sun, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I knew that this was a setup from the first time it happened, because just like anything else, you start looking back and you start thinking, who gained from what happened? And if you remember, prior to the January 6th, um, what had happened was uh, what were Americans promised? We were promised that, that we were going to get to see all the evidence of the fraud. That's right. That, That's right. That all that stuff. And then within perfect sequence of when that time came that we were American people were finally going to see it, yep. this happened. So who gained? The Democrats and yep. the mainstream media did because it got, it got them out of having to show it in front of the American people. Well, that was such that was time. that was one of the great tragedies of the whole thing. That's why I wished it never happened in the first place. I mean, yes, we handed them our head on a silver platter in some respects. And I, I had a good friend of mine that I was talking to at that very moment, and he already knew right away. Uh, what was going on and how, you know, the consequences of doing that that we played right into their Yeah, no, I mean, have you followed, exactly right, Jason, have you followed some of the uh, release of uh, the texts that went on amongst the Fox hosts as a result of this lawsuit, this defamation lawsuit? I mean, this you're saying exactly what some of, you know, the stars like Tucker and Laura and Sean were uh, we're, we're saying, right? I mean, they were saying this This is going to ruin ruin everything. This is going, I mean, obviously, yeah, they, uh, aside from the wrong in itself, this is going to ruin the Republican Party. This is going to ruin the election. This is going to ruin Trump's uh, Trump's legacy. Well, it did, like I said, they, they, it got, they, that was their way out. They, they didn't have to address the evidence. Yeah. And this is why we have so many people that question the elections, whether what point you take, whether you believe it was a free and fair election right. or you don't. What it did is it you address these issues by doing just that. Yeah. That's another good point. That's another good point for those that uh, do question the legitimacy of the election beyond the Hunter Biden and the media interference. It it took away any, they were all associated with that crowd. Right. That's another good point. Yeah. Fair point. Absolutely. Fair point, Jason. uh, Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, this is a good thing, Seth. Okay. It's real. I mean, and who knows how many percentage of the... uh, Yeah, if it gets a few, yeah. If it gets a few to rethink the narrative that was crammed down our throats from uh, Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney. I mean, you remember remember how partisan, really, this committee was. I mean, never mind the hiring of a Good Morning America producer to do it. But do recall, (laughs) do recall that... You know, there was no complaint from all these people complaining about what Kevin McCarthy did here. There was no complaint that he was stripped of his ability by Nancy Pelosi to name members of that committee. And we wouldn't be here, probably, if he were allowed to have named, as would have been tradition and practice, if he were allowed to have named the members of the committee. Remember, he I forget who all he wanted. And I know Jim Jordan was one and I forget who else. But in any event, um it might have been well i just i i'm just 
Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, Jim Jordan, I know, was one of them. And that, you know, Nancy Pelosi was not going to allow. So she put on the two most... Uh, the the two mo- the the two the two uh, most uh, deferential to her Republicans she could find Kinziger and Cheney, and uh, and 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 thus slapped the title uh, bipartisan on it, which is what the mainstream media does in the name of bipartisanship, isn't it? I mean, this is their trick. They, they they find they find you know a Republican who doesn't support the Republican Party or the Republican nominee or the Republican president, and say, well, yeah, but they're a Republican, and so thus we're being uh, fair-minded. It's it's not, <laughs> it's it's not when the people have supported someone who they disagree with. It's not when that person is the titular head of the party that the people they're putting on oppose. It's not when they are. Uh, unable to win re-election as a Republican, even in a primary. It's it's just not. Uh, but that's what passes for fair, standard media fair and standard uh, media practice of not being biased these days. It is amazing, too, isn't it? It is amazing, too, what the victory of November this past election was for us. You know, there was this kind of expectation we would have this huge red tidal wave by many. And there was this kind of disappointment when it didn't turn out to be a huge red tidal wave, but just, you know, a slim majority, right? There was a big disappointment about that. You you remember that. We were all kind of emotionally roller coaster we were all on emotional roller coasters from the big expectation to the to the result and 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 not getting the Senate is another thing, but look at all the change that has happened within just three months of that slim victory. Look at all the change that has transpired. Look at what is going on with the hearings. Look at what is going on with the evidence about Hunter Biden's laptop. Look at what we are now going to start finding out about um, COVID, the COVID origin story and the government fund, potential government funding of gain of function research. Look at how just this slim Republican majority in the House of Representatives has changed almost everything, has altered almost every liberal narrative that has dominated our politics and our media for the past, what, three years. In three months, this slim majority has altered narratives. Something to be a little optimistic and reflective on, you know, something to be proud of. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. You've probably been hearing me talk about why refi for a while now. And if you still have some questions about what it could mean for you to invest with them, feel free to give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. They will happily put you in touch with any number of their many satisfied clients and customers in the Phoenix area who have been investing with them and doing quite well. They'd like me to ask you how your IRA is doing also. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax deferred? That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com, 888-YREFI-34. I know these guys well. They are great guys. It's a really great team. Um, Having just said something a little bit you know, optimistic uh, in the last segment about how our, some of our politics is, is changing and turning. 
Um, I'm, I, in the next hour, I want to talk to you a little bit about this divide that has ever been with us in conservatism, ever been part of the conservative movement, which is uh, the optimistic and the cheerful versus the uh, somewhat more critical. Um, are, are, are we facing the end or, and, and, and should we be operational pessimists or should we be operational optimists? Should we be theoretical pessimists or the- theoretical optimists? And there's still a lot of that going on right now within our movement. Um, and, you know, that's why I want to say something. That's why I wanted to say something good about the turn we are now beginning to see, even with a slim majority in the House of Representatives, how many great things have started to change and rather rapidly and with the expectation of much, much more to come. Next hour, I'm going to give you a slightly different side of it, um, which is not pessimism for pessimism's sake, but a pessimistic note about where we are in our culture for the sake of energizing us towards more optimistic action. I've always kind of been a practical optimist and a theoretical pessimist. Let's work through some of that next hour. But, of course, anything you have to say about anything or want to add, our lines are open as well. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 